Amen. We take comfort in knowing that God is there. He is with us. The message that I have today is in John uh, chapter 3, and it is connecting with God. Connecting with God. I take comfort in knowing that God is there. But as we begin, I, wanna, I want to remind everyone, if you have an offering that you would like to send, please make it out to Winber Assembly, and that's Box 361, Winber, Pennsylvania, uh, 15963. Box 361, Winber, uh, Winber, Pennsylvania. Winber Assembly, Box 361, Winber, PA. Also, uh, next Sunday is the first Sunday of, of May, and it is Communion Sunday, so I'd ask that if you would like to uh, prepare yourself for next Sunday morning to get a piece of bread and um, a cup of juice and have it there with you, and uh, we'll all partake of communion then next Sunday morning. So today's message, Connecting with God. Did you, um, well, I think of it in a sense that life is a series of connections, that we are um, in some way connecting with people every day. Like now we're connecting, trying to connect with you, connecting with people over the internet. And uh, uh, we try to connect with people in our daily activities, even though we are restricted now from uh, going into groups and being part of uh, that connecting. But we also know that there are personalities involved in connecting. Some people are more... How can I say, outgoing, and some people are more reserved. And, you know, I would, I would like to be of the personality, there are no strangers, just friends I haven't met yet. It, you know, that seems like a really great idea. <laughs> it doesn't fit my personality. But whenever we think of God, what, what personality would God be, have? You know, if, if we were trying to put a personality with God, would he be an extrovert? You know, would he be an introvert? How, what would God be like? Well, I, I don't have a, a clue on that one, but I want us to think about some of the things that how the, of God and his character and who he is. And whenever we're thinking of God, we want to remember that he knows us. He knows us completely. He knows us from birth to death. He knows every mistake. He knows every difficulty we'll go through. He knows every choice we'll ever make. And he, he, he does all of that, and he still loves us. In every moment of our life, he loves us. So that's kind of what, that is, that is what God is like. Um, God desires to reveal himself. God desires to connect with us. And as we look at John chapter 3, we find that this is God's revelation, I think, of connection of how that God wants to, uh, for us to understand how that he wants to connect with us and how that we can connect with him. And it's important that this is a two-way street, <laughs> that God is not the one responsible for him. Well, he has taken on the responsibility of trying to connect with us. He's done everything to remove the barriers, to break down the barriers between God and man, the sin that would separate us from him. He's done everything to break that down, but he's waiting for us then to respond. So let's look at John chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Excuse me. There was a man named Nicodemus, one of the Pharisees, uh, an important leader, a Jewish leader. 
So as we look at this prominent Jewish leader, this Pharisee, now, uh, Pharisees were the elite of their, of their society, and that um, they were noted for kind of being self-righteous, not all of them, but they were very, as it were, puffed up. Um, we have a prayer of one of the Pharisees in the New Testament, says, and he's out in public declaring to God and to everybody that would listen that he is thanking God that he's not like that wretched sinner. So that's kind of the image that we have of, of, of Pharisees, but not all of them were like that, and I, don't, and I don't believe that this Nicodemus was that type of an individual. So uh, one night, verse 2, one night he came to Jesus and said, Teacher, we know that thou art a teacher sent from God. No one can do these miracles, these miraculous signs that you do, unless they have God's help. So Nicodemus opened up by declaring that Jesus had come from God and that he must have connections. <laughs> you know, I, I had someone send me... Um, an email and asked me to pray for someone because they knew I had connections with God. <laughs> you know, they wanted me to pray because, you know, I had some kind of special connections that nobody else had. So anyhow, they wanted me to pray. Well, that's, you know, kind of the idea of being connected. Well, Jesus, uh, Nicodemus is saying to Jesus that he must have this connection with God because he can do miracles. Nobody else is able to do the things that he's been able to do. And um, so he, he, he looks at this and he, he draws attention to the miraculous. He come from God, the miraculous, and he's able to do all of these things. And Jesus immediately then goes away from the miracles. You see, the miracles that Jesus performed were primarily attention getters, as it were, that he was able to do these things in order for people to listen to the message. That what he had to say that, you know, that what he had to say was more important than, than what he was doing, but what he was doing was a way of getting people's attention. So in our life, what we are doing has a lot of importance for people to believe what we say. Verse 3, Jesus answered, I assure you, everyone must be born again. Now, we were just talking about miracles. It would be, you know, it would be nice if Jesus, well, you know, I can feed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I can walk on water. You know, that's pretty good. You know, I, I, I can, people who are dead, I can bring them back to life. You know, there's a lot I can do. <laughs> and Jesus doesn't go there. Because he wasn't there, is it, per se, to, you know, do the miracles and let everybody impressed with who he is. He was there to let people, help people understand that there was a connection that they could have with God. And he was there to reveal how you can have that connection. See, Jesus answered, I assure you, everyone must be born again. And anyone who is not born again cannot be in, the, in God's kingdom. Well, born again, born from above, is connecting. And we'll figure out what this means here in just a few moments as we go on with this. So Nicodemus understood him to be speaking of a simple physical rebirth. And understandably, Nicodemus was confused about this. And I think most people 
have some type of, you know, people who are not involved in the church or being part of the church lingo or part of the church language, they find it hard to understand. Born again, okay. You know, it's just some cultural thing that we don't know what the meaning is, but let's go on and talk about something else. Well, Nicodemus said, how can a man who is already old be born again? Can he go back into his mother's womb and be born a second time? No. Have you ever had a sense of the infinite of, of God? Have you ever had a sense in which you just felt that God was there? And, did, you know, for people who aren't religious or oriented toward church and Christ and, and that, those type of, with the Spirit of God, so most people uh, that are not aware of the Spirit of God connect it to some floating spirit in the, you know, in the atmosphere. <laughs> I was, <laughs> we, we have bird feeders in, in, outside our, our window. And, of course, you're always looking for cardinals, you know. And why people look for cardinals is kind of like a sign. They're, they're, they're kind of like a bird that is associated with a sign from God. And... Um, so we, we want to have signs. We like to have, you know, this way. <laughs> you know, in the grocery stores we have signs. <laughs> One way. <laughs> don't go out, you, don't, only, you can only go out this door, you gotta go in the other door, you know. So we have all these signs around that give us directions, you know. Wear a mask, can't come in. So we got all these signs that give us directions and sometimes we look at cardinals and say it's a sign from God and we're almost at it had a, has have that bird as a symbol of the infinite, the sense that God is speaking to us. Well, I think of it as more than just a bird showing up. And, you know, people have felt that there was God speaking to them. And I'm not going to say it isn't. But I'm going to say that there's more to the spiritual life than just a sense of the supernatural, a sense of, wow, something really happened here. And Jesus tells this lost leader, Nicodemus, that you must be born again to understand and to enter the kingdom of God. Born again. This is the work of God's Holy Spirit. Now, one of the things that's so difficult, I think, is that we hear the word born again and to understand the kingdom of God. Now, it's like if you've never traveled, and um, okay, I was, I, I've had the fortune of going to Israel and to Egypt and things, place, you know, those places, and um, been to Petra, you know, saw the stones and the carvings out of the side of the mountain. And if you've never seen, you've seen pictures of it, but you've never been there. Well, you don't have a you have a sense of what it looks like, but you don't have a sense of what it is. And when you're at those places, it's like, oh, it's so much different than the picture. <laughs> and whenever we talk about God, so many people want to understand everything that God is, but they don't want to begin with the beginning. <laughs> it's like being born full grown. <laughs> you know, poor mother. <laughs> you know. But we want to be born full grown. And there are some kids you think they are, you know, they're five years old and they're like 50 years old, you know. But in our lives, there is this beginning of our spiritual understanding. And without the beginning of our spiritual understanding, we can't just simply jump ahead. 
So that's why I want us to look at this, the beginning of God's connection. I remember one of my relatives at a family gathering, and I was rather young at the time, uh, and that's unusual that I remember things when I was young, but uh, uh, this one of my relatives was arguing with my mother about Billy Graham and him always wanting people to be born again and come forward. And she was telling my mom how that this was crazy and she didn't need to do all that stuff because she belonged to a church and she had been baptized and she was not going to go forward in a church some, to some altar and be born again. You know, she just was, I mean, they were, she was furious about that. I still remember that. But my mother, in her graciousness, just listened and, you know, I don't, I don't think my mother brought it up. I think she brought it up to my mother and was raking my mother's over the, mother over the coal for her beliefs. But um, remember, this story is about connecting. Okay? Being born again, being in connection with God, being in communion in, with God, and God being in communion with us. This isn't, this isn't a, um, a ticket, <laughs> This isn't a ticket. Here you got, this is your pass into heaven. Born again, here it is. Put, wear this in your pocket, and when you're dead, you show up at the pearly gates and say, here's my ticket. <laughs> no, it's not what it is. It's something more. So Jesus answered, verse 5, Believe me when I say that everyone must be born from water and the Spirit. And anyone who is not born from water and the Spirit cannot enter God's kingdom. Now, there are different variations and different interpretations and commentaries on this, but born of the water is pretty much thought of as being born from your mother's womb. Okay? Being born of the, the you know, hear the expression that her, her water broke. <laughs> you know, born of the water. Uh, but being born of the Spirit, and Jesus is saying he's taking us from something we know and understand to making an application to something that is spiritual that it's not readily understood. So the idea of being born again is a term that we would associate and able to associate born from above, born, with, born physically, born spiritually. So Jesus is making a correlation from what we know to what we seemingly don't understand. So, and this is not metaphysics, okay? Not metaphysics. That... Um, the, the theory with no basis in reality. What else is metaphysics? It cannot be reached through objective studies of material realities. As I was listening to someone about their metaphysics, and I, I was taken up by so many times that people will you know, sit and try to contemplate the universe, and they open their spirit to anything that's flying by in the spiritual realm. And most of the time, 95% of the time, it's not God. Because they refuse to search for God through God's word. They want to reach the spiritual realm, but not by the scripture. They want to do it in, by themselves or by some teacher that will take them to some spiritual realm outside of their, their physical universe. Well, we receive God's spirit, we enter into his kingdom through a, form of, through a form of birth. 
Born physically, born spiritually. It's a form of birth. Birth is a process that occurs in the flesh. When we become truly spiritual, we do not shed off the flesh and enter into some spiritual reality, but we refi- we, the, the life people get from their human parents is physical. The new life that the Holy Spirit gives is a person in us is spiritual. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Jesus said, verse 7, Don't be surprised that I told you you must be born again. So when we're looking at this and we're trying to understand, okay, born again, born of the Spirit, born of the flesh, um, there's more to the, this than what it says here. John chapter 3 does more than reiterate how the Word took on human flesh. It illustrates the inverse process, how human flesh can become filled with God's, God's Spirit. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and how we who become flesh, who are flesh, can take on spirit. It's kind of like Jesus became like us so that we could become like him. So when we are born again or we have a spiritual birth, we receive God's spirit through what we consider and talk about as a form of birth. And the birth is a process that occurs by asking Christ to forgive us. In the metaphysics, it's reaching outside yourself and trying to find something. But in the spiritual realm, we are looking to Jesus Christ, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. We understand through the scriptures that before creation, Jesus himself was the sacrificial lamb for the sins of humanity, before there was ever a sin. We have the life and, and the, you know, the birth, the life, the teachings, the death of Christ, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. These are all upon which we, this, these are things that we build our life on. Then I want to skip down to John chapter 3, verse 16. So we have all these things, being born again, have, have all, all this stuff in place. And then jump down to verse, John chapter 3, verse 16. In the King James, many of us know it that way, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Born again? Christ? Read it in the, in the uh, one Bible, it says, run translate, it says, yes, God loved the world so much that he gave his only Son so that everyone who believes in him would not be lost, but have eternal life. God's love is his desire to connect with his creation. You know, last week we spoke about um, what the opposite of love is indifference. And the opposite of hate is to connect. That's where I kind of came up with this whole idea or was thinking about this. We think of how that God so loved the world, he didn't hate the world, he loved the world. He loved the world and his desire was to connect with his creation. We, his creation, broke the connection when we sinned. You know, in creation, in in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve broke the command of God and they died spiritually and they died physically. 
Well, in, in Christ, we, we, be, we become alive spiritually, and in the resurrection, we gain back what we lost. We have a spiritual reconnection, and we have a resurrection reconnection. So we are connected with God. Can you imagine God if he was indifferent? The opposite of love is indifference. Can you imagine God being indifferent to our humanity, to our condition? So it's important that we see that God so loved, you know, so when we talk about being born again, it's Jesus is telling us, and and this whole process of John chapter 3 leads us to verse 16 and 17, and this whole process is one of coming into the light, talks about, that you are able to see what you're doing and understand what you're doing, that whenever you are confessing your sin and allowing Christ to remove that sin from your life, that it's not that I'm good enough or I've done enough and God loves me. No, I recognize that God wants to connect with me and he wants to take away all of the failures of my life so that none of those failures can hold me back from becoming what God created me to be. So this is about God wanting to reestablish us into the person that we were created to be, and only he knows what that is. He knows what our created person is to be. And so he wants that to continue to evolve in our life, grow in our life. So one of the things of love Matthew chapter 5, 44 says, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Now, we're not going to do this. We're not going to do this unless we're connected with God. You see, The Greek phrase, love your enemy, combines opposing ideas, meaning hating and hatred. Okay? The idea is love the hated. Or care for those who are hated. Care for those who hate you. Embrace the hating. (laughs) Whoa. That, you know. This is a miracle. <laughs> this, is not, this is not finding, reaching outside of ourselves and finding something to hold on to that changes who we are. It is Christ. We're reaching up. We're allowing Christ to enter into our life. And then we then follow along with Christ's teachings in which the word becomes flesh and dwelt among us. And we allow the spiritual birth in Christ to help us develop and give us the spiritual strength to do these things. God so loved the world. In the Greek, there are four words for for love. One is empathy. One is philos, meaning like Philadelphia, brotherly love, or friend, excuse me, friend to love, or friend bond. Eros, which is romantic love. And agape, which is unconditional love. So the love of God for man, and as it swings around, the love of man for God, that you are willing to sacrifice for something that is greater. God was willing to sacrifice himself for what was greater, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. What was greater was you and I 
coming to know him and being forgiven. Galatians 5 says, for the desire of the flesh. Now you see, there is body, soul, and spirit. And I'll hopefully jump through this in the moment very quickly. Body, soul, and spirit. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So we look at our body, we look at who we are as a person without God. When God says he loved the world, he loves us so much, he wants to change us from the inside. So how can he change us unless there's a change? And our change isn't in that, oh, I'm going to change my mind, I'm going to change my habits, I'm going to change my ways, I'm going to read these books, I'm going to get all this stuff and put it in my head and I'll be a different person. (laughs) Jesus changes us in our heart. The works of the flesh, (laughs) well, there's sorcery, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, and so on. There are all these things that (sighs) make us what we consider to be human. But you know, I, I, I like this story of the soul. We all know the body, okay? The soul. Um, one individual says, when God, we have the dust of the earth, and God breathed into man and made him a living soul. And, and the, the idea, the, the story here that does the teaching, it isn't like you have an envelope, and then you have a letter, and stick the letter in the envelope. So you have a body, dust, and God puts a soul in it. But no, it's the, the body and the soul are more together than we have the body, soul, and spirit. So it's more body, soul, than soul, spirit. So the soul, God dies for this, and then the whole person changes. And the spirit, the spirit, we have human spirit. We have, you know, we read these stories about people who have this incredible spirit. Of, they don't give up and they, they work through. There's this one, um, one thing on uh, YouTube that I watch and he is the harmless farmer. The harmless farmer. And whenever he was two or three years old, he was caught up in an auger, ripped both of his arms off. So he has no arms. And he's the harmless farmer. He does everything with his feet. He's a farmer. You want to see some incredible feats? <laughs> feats? You want to see some incredible acts of what this guy can do? It's just unimaginable. <laughs> Thank you, Beats. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> I didn't mean that to be funny, but was. <laughs> Thank you, Debbie. <laughs> In all my seriousness, I come up with some really good things. So anyhow, <laughs> John chapter 3 He gave us his only son so that everyone who believes in him would not be lost but have eternal life. So there is a change that happens. So the whole idea of being born again is that there is a spiritual birth inside of us that that takes place by the Spirit of God. And God is the one who breathed into us and made us a, a living soul, made us a spirit being made us a physical being with life. And everything in life, God is trying to bring to us a connection that he has with us. You know, eternal life, (laughs) I was reading and it says, eternal life is not the extension of our personal miserableness. 
<laughs> our personal miserableness. I don't want to live forever in this miserable place. <laughs> well, that's true. We don't. So uh, eternal life is God's life embodied in Christ given to all believers now as a guarantee that they will live forever. You see, we've already begun to live forever. And we've already begun to understand or to experience the gift of God. The gift of God is life, and the gift of God is hope. The gift of God is that he will never leave me nor forsake me. So you see, these are spiritual gifts that God has given to us through his word, through the Holy Spirit, through our understanding. And we begin this whole spiritual experience just like being a human being, we are born physically, and we start by recognizing being born spiritually is simply asking Christ to forgive us of our sin. He who had no sin became sin for us that we who are sinful can be, can be forgiven. And it doesn't mean that we don't make mistakes, we don't fall down. Every time you fall down, we ask God, give it, get us up. You know, it isn't how many times you fall down, it's how many times we get up. And we're asking God to lead us and to guide us in this whole spiritual development. And the more we know, the more we read the scriptures, the more we realize there is to know. And our spiritual life is something that is developing and growing and, and changing. And as we find ourselves isolated and you know, wanting to do something and we can't, we, you know, we begin to settle in perhaps. One lady was writing about, you know, I, I just sit down to do my devotions and my kids come. <laughs> and then, then, you know, uh, they're, they're, they want to be entertained and they want to do something. Well, I want time for myself, you get out, you know, it doesn't work. So the spiritual life helps us to understand and to put this physical life in perspective. Verse 10, Jesus said, you are, you are an important teacher of Israel, meaning Nicodemus, and you still don't understand these things. It isn't our Nicodemus is this, understands the laws and all the ceremonial cleansing. He's a, he's a Pharisee. He's in this elite society, and Jesus is telling him, you have all of this knowledge, but you don't have what it really takes in your heart. Verse 12. I told you about things here on earth, taking us from what we know, but you do not believe me, what you don't know. So I'm sure you will believe me if I tell you about heavenly things. <laughs> if you don't understand the basics, that just as you're born physically, there's a beginning spiritually. And if you understand this beginning, then you begin to understand all the divine principles that God wants to bring into our life because God wants to connect with each person <laughs> because he knows right where you're at. He knows right what you're going through. Verse 21. But anyone who follows the true way comes to the light. Then the light will show that whatever they have done was done through God. The whole thing comes back to this understanding of what God is doing in our life. And we have to begin at the beginning. 
in our own personal relationship with God. And that personal relationship with God is we're asking him to be part of our life. You had a physical birth. We had a place that it began. You have a birthday. In the spiritual realm, we have to have a place where it begins. And the beginning of our spiritual life is not by osmosis setting close to a, <laughs> setting, it doesn't rub off, I had a godly mother or a godly grandmother, or a, it doesn't rub off, it's, it's something that we understand in our spirit. So the light is that understanding that the light goes on, that God loves me, he wants to connect with me, and he wants me to understand his love forgiveness, and strength for every day and that all through this life he will never leave me nor forsake me. And when it is time for me to leave this life, I don't die. I simply move from life to eternal life and I am forever with God. The God I am with now is the God I am with forever. For God loves me so much he desires to connect with me so that I can connect with him. Amen? Amen. God, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the scripture, O oh Lord, and how that it brings to us a reality of life and spirit and, and God of forgiveness and love. So God, we confess our sin and we ask you to forgive us. We ask you, O oh God, to live within our lives and birth that spiritual life inside of us so that we can begin to understand spiritual principles and that God that you will always love us and your desire is to always connect with us. So Lord, help us to receive that connection and connect with you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.